Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. On this episode of the Fieldhouse Files, Dave DeFore rejoins the show to talk about the NBA's potential return down in Orlando at Disney World and what it might look like for the Pacers. In a world of uncertainty, one thing is for sure. Cancer doesn't stop during a global crisis. So on Saturday, June 13th, the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society will host a trailblazing event, Big Virtual Climb, sponsored by AbbVie, to support their investment in groundbreaking research to advance blood cancer cures and its first-in-class patient education and services, including financial support and clinical trial navigation. Step up to take cancer down by climbing 61 floors or 1,762 steps. That can be inside or outside, on stairs, on the road, or your treadmill. Just climb your way. Join us for an opening ceremony and then take on your climb with our heart-pumping playlist. Join us on June 13th from coast to coast as we come together to climb, conquer, and cure. Register at lls.org slash bigclimb. And welcome into another episode of the Fieldhouse Files. I'm Scott Agnes. We've now reached week 11 in quarantine and away from basketball. Remember, you have to go all the way back to March 10th when the Pacers played their last game, a home game against the Boston Celtics. It was the time when reporters for the first time weren't allowed in the locker room. We did interviews like it was the playoffs where they were at the podium and such. And for now, most players are still on their own and in a separate location, although a few have made their way back to India as the NBA continues its efforts to resume a season. And that's what we ultimately want. We need sports. And so that's what we'll focus on this episode with Dave DeFore. But before we get started, just a reminder to subscribe to the Fieldhouse Files wherever you listen to your podcast. That's where you can listen to new and archived episodes. And just in the past month, I talked to the Pacers sports psychologist, Dr. Chris Carr. He just moved on from the franchise to take a full-time role with the Packers. I talked to Kathy Martin-Harrison, you know, the wild fan we saw in the last dance. And then I revisited the 1998 Eastern Conference Finals, Pacers, Bulls, with our columnist Bob Kravitz, and went one-on-one with Nate McMillan. Today, let's talk with Dave DeFore, as it's growing likely that NBA games will return to finish the season and ultimately crown a champion. Dave, it'll all go down in Orlando, it seems, at a Disney Resort, which makes a lot of sense. But for obvious reasons, Vegas was the discussion point for so many of us early on, and it made sense for a lot of reasons. For starters, it's where the NBA holds its summer league. It's where the G League showcase is. Vegas and Los Angeles are basically the offseason homes to so many of these NBA players. It's out in Los Angeles, for instance, is where Sabonis is with his girlfriend spending this quarantine time. And the other thing is, talking about the elite guys there in Vegas, they have their specific rooms, surely, that they stay at. For example, like at the Wynn Resort when they're there with USA Basketball. And while we don't have any clear path to a return just yet, let's make that clear. We are nearing 
discussions with the board of governors and general managers, and then ultimately a decision must be made by Adam Silver. But at this point, Dave, what do you make of these discussions and what a possible return might look like? I mean, listen, I appreciate the pragmatism, right? I, I like that as of right now, we don't really know what's happening. That means they're taking their time and trying to make the right decision. Now, some of the ideas that I've heard, I hate. Uh, I'll be honest. Mm-hmm. I, I, I'm not a fan of changing the rules of engagement this far into the season. Yeah, and I'm with you. I don't mind the patient approach, right? Because it means mm-hmm. you're making progress, but at the same time, nobody has any answers at this point about anything. And so right. let's not only recognize that, but tell people that. We don't know what we're doing, but right now mm-hmm. we're trying to navigate this as best we can. So something we talk about today might not make any sense here in about four days or in two weeks. And I agree with a lot of that, but with what you had to say in terms of changing it, some of the things you know, that have kind of been mentioned is, do you get rid of conferences? Do you come back and limit the number of teams? And to start out, I'll say, I don't like it if you would reseed it right now, say one to 16, because that gets away from what we have known to this point. Now, that could be a bigger discussion, but if we're going to focus on this summer, and I'm one of those that generally would not put an asterisk on, you know, if someone wins a title, and that's something as part of the athletic, we went to players and asked them anonymously for their opinion. I reached out to several guys, got three answers. All three said, no, this season, if finished, should not have an asterisk. And I agree. However, I would say maybe it would if they get too cute with it. I, that, I think you just hit the nail right on the head. 100%. That's the biggest issue. If, if they were just to say, okay, we're not going to finish the regular season, we're going to go ahead and go straight to the playoffs, have the playoffs, have a champion, people are going to say, all right, well, it was a shortened season, but you know, with all things considered, wow, can't believe they actually pulled this off. Right. Congratulations, <laughs> you know, to the Milwaukee Bucks or whoever. And having some kind of, I don't know, World Cup type format or, no, so or NCAA tournament. Oh my God. Well, it does have that slight appeal. And I think the main appeal, Dave, is the fact that we didn't have NCAA March Madness. Yeah. And because so, of that, let's fill the void. I actually, you know what? My idea for that would be is if you were bringing back all 30 teams, do a March Madness style tournament, give the top two seeds uh, first round by uh, single elimination and use that as your tune up for going into the regular playoffs. OK, yeah, because we want ideally the NBA is talking about is trying to get one. You need just some kind of warm up games, right? Whether mm-hmm. it's a, a scrimmage or something. These guys haven't done anything uh, of note really during this dead time. I feel for them. That would make a lot of sense. But if you're changing this and that's your result, that's when I think you start questioning things. And so maybe you would see the Warriors, let's say, make a run. Or maybe the Bucks have one bad game and all they did up to this point is disregarded. That's laughable to me. Yeah, and that that's why I wouldn't use it to determine the champion, but as a way to tune up. And, you know, look, I, I'm a proponent of three, five, seven, seven playoff format. So I think the first round should be three games because I, I think introducing a little bit of variance would be good for the NBA. You're going as far as three, though. I, I don't mind yeah. five. Three seems, Why not? is it too much? It might be too much. Maybe. I don't know. Yeah, it could be. I mean, they felt like five was too much. The NBA is like extremely predictable because <laughs> 82 games and then seven game series in the playoffs. And, and, you know, it doesn't have the natural variance that baseball or hockey have. And I think that that is a part of the issue with ratings. You know, it's just it, it is pretty predictable. The better team 
wins the majority of the time. And while that's great for your sport uh, internally, I don't know if it's great for television because a lot of people feel like they can just tune in, you know, here and there. They don't have to live and die every week. You know, uh, NFL has all this parody and it also has incredible ratings. They, they also have the advantage of being able to build things up for a week. But with the NBA, you don't have that variance. The, the better team wins more often than not. And the excitement of upsets, like they're just so rare in the NBA. I mean, to keep it local, Pacers went into Boston and were swept last year. I think after right. two and a half games, you, you knew the Celtics were the better team and deserved to yep. move on. So yeah. there was no and reason so, for them to have to win four games. Right. And so, you, you know, you'd give a team that maybe had lesser talent a chance at shocking the world. Uh, but also you get some of these series over sooner in two games rather than yeah. in four. Um, but, but again, I don't think right now is a great time to just shoehorn in new ideas because you're in the middle of a season. Now, if they want to come up, let's say, you know, Hey, we want to forget this season. We're going to go next year, but we've got some new ideas. The biggest question, Dave, that I have to this point is how motivated and how necessary are games? And I'm talking about the quantity in games for purely TV slash money purposes. I don't think we've been given a clear indication of that. And what I mean by that is twofold. For one, there's a lot of talk about the, the necessity of getting as best you can the local teams because of their local TV deals up to 70 games. Some are probably three to five games out. I think I saw the Warriors are more than a dozen. And then also it goes back to what you were just saying. If you want to shorten the postseason, that's good for competitiveness and as well as um, better products for your TV audience, which we presume will be outstanding. Yet at the same time, each playoff game probably means millions to the NBA's pocketbooks. And that, right. in, in, in reality, that's the primary motivating factor in all this for these games to return, whether it's a billion or less or more. We don't know. And that's my biggest question in all this. Well, all right. First of all, they're going to have a, a literal captive audience, right? Mm -hmm. Like. Everyone's at home yeah. with nothing to watch. We all want, uh, you know, so I, they can put that thing on at 3 a.m. And, and it's going to do numbers. People are going to watch it. We saw that with the is. last dance and we saw that both with the match, too, as well. We were right. There's an audience clearly of at least, I don't know, three to four million that would watch just about anything of, of value right now. I think I think the numbers for the last dance are going to look pathetic compared to when we get NBA basketball back. I think this will be for ratings probably the NBA's best opportunity to pick up new fans because they will be the only game in town. And again, I, I want to reiterate this is a very crass way of looking at a global pandemic and crisis. It's mm -hmm. just, you know, this is the lens that we're viewing this stuff through in the moment. Uh, you know, trust me, I understand like the gravity of the situation, right. but we, this is, this is the reality. The NBA wants to come back. Most of us are stuck at home. It'd be a great time for the league to capitalize and try to get new fans, especially kids. Right. And, and here's a brief um, number. I playing think. during the summer, you know, I, like there's so many things here that that would work to their advantage. I don't know why you would mess with the formula instead of just saying, listen, we know how this works. We do this every year. Let's put our our normal product out there, starting with the playoffs, because to me, you want to keep everything as small as you can possibly keep it. So why have. 14 extraneous teams and you go from there and, and you know maybe you run it march madness style and you start at noon and you end <laughs> at midnight the first few days and then you know as things kind of trickle down 
you're you're spreading it out a little bit. But they have a real opportunity to blow the doors off of mm-hmm. the world, their whole audience. I just wouldn't I wouldn't gamble with new formats and World Cup formats and and all these other things that again completely discounts what these teams have done in the regular season. They try to convince us that the regular season matters and now every idea just seems to yes. to discount the value of the regular season. I completely agree with that. And for context purposes, the last dance average roughly 6 million which was twice as much as ESPN's most viewed doc before that, um, I looked for the playoffs last year and they were averaging almost four million. And so the documentary did better than that. Easily, the playoffs would do better. I don't know how much better. I would guess probably the six to eight million range. Certainly not NFL playoffs in the, the teens, you know, 18 and 20 million. It almost feels like these artificial ways to finish the year feels like the Pro Bowl where you don't really have anything of great substance. So let's keep trying to create something out of nothing. Whereas they have a great product. They have great games. Let's let it be. But again, you brought up from a practical standpoint, you have your playoffs. You have your clear cut line. Only bring eight teams in each conference. There's your 16 teams. And don't even worry about the rest of the other teams. The whole thing <laughs> gets very tricky when yeah. you do all 30 teams. And I, I understand the desire to, A, to produce content for your TV partners and to try to get money for your teams. I completely understand. I, it's just not the way I would do it. They're going to do it however they do it, though, whether whether I think it's a good idea or not. So I'll be curious um, what comes out of the these Board of Governor meeting coming up at the end of the week and, and meeting, I think, with the GMs maybe uh, on Thursday as well and kind of what the decisions there are. You can you can kind of assume some things like the Lakers, the Bucks, the Clippers, the contenders. They're all about just finishing the year and crowning a champion because they're in they're competing for it. I'm most curious about those teams at the very bottom. You're talking about the Cavs, the Hawks. Reading stories across the league, it's these teams want to use this time and come together and use it as development. I can't imagine if I'm a guy on that team, I just want to skip to my summer where I can work on my own time and not have to worry about flying to a different city, being in quarantine, working around all these different guys. That just doesn't make sense to me. Yep. So (laughs) Again, it's... uh... It's an imperfect solution, yeah. no matter how you shake it out. And it's because the situation is so weird. Hey, fellas, listen up. Smelling good? Well, it's very important, no matter where you are. And right now, you're probably around the same people a lot, whether it's family, a girlfriend, a wife. And this would be a perfect gift for Father's Day, which is coming up. And you don't want to wait around and kind of wait till the final couple days and then realize, oh, I need to do something. Be ahead of the curve by getting Hawthorne Cologne. And getting Hawthorne Cologne is very easy. You can log on to their website, take a quick two-minute quiz, and right there, Hawthorne tells you the two colognes that are best for you, one for work and one for play. And be sure to get multiple. You don't want to be spraying yourself with the same cologne no matter the circumstances. If you have a date night, you want to get something a little bit more sophisticated. Then, of course, you need that everyday cologne because you have to be smelling right no matter who you are around. On top of that, this all can be done risk-free with free shipping and free returns. So check out Hawthorne at Hawthorne.co. That's Hawthorne with an E and .co, not .com. 
hawthorne.co. And there you can use my promo code ATHLETIC to get 10% off your first purchase. That's hawthorne.co and use my promo code ATHLETIC to get 10% off your first purchase. Hawthorne.co. Locally, it will be really interesting. I, I'm going to go with the assumption we're going to have games and the Pacers obviously will be included being a playoff team and you know probably in that 4-5 matchup. That said, right now, they have to be really encouraged, I think, with their health. We know Malcolm Brogdon's said on the record that he's 100% after having that quad tear um, and being out indefinitely. And we weren't sure when he would be back. And that's why the conversations, and they went far down the line about bringing in another guard like Lance Stevenson in the meantime were had. We also know Victor seemingly doing well. He's continuing to rehab, was in Orlando. I'm told he has since returned to Indy, and that's where he is now. And there's about a half dozen different guys now in Indy, uh, most of which were already here dur- during all of this. Uh, Jeremy Lamb rehabbing, uh, TJ McConnell and Goga Bataze, for example, all stayed here. But from a Pacers health perspective, and then uh, I'm interested in how this helps them. And on the, on the other side of that, Dave, is what can we expect from Oladipo? Because this has to be both good and bad for him, I got to imagine. He gets the high of coming back, experiencing it, realizing how far he was from you know being at his peak, mm-hmm. but also now getting another two months to work and rehab on his own. Yeah, I mean, again, though, there's no replacement for game shape. And that's the, the biggest difference. Now, what, what he's going to actually have the advantage of is being more well-rested than everybody else, probably being in better shape because he's still rehabbing, but then everyone else is going to kind of be out of game shape too. So now (laughs) he'll be able to progress at a similar pace as everyone else. So maybe he comes back and, you know, lights the world on fire and the the Pacers shock everyone. I'm the whole thing is very much uh, a mystery. It's going to be hard to predict anybody that says that they know what's going to happen when these teams come back is just a liar. Yeah. And this There's is too many variables, the human, just the human element of it. Like there are going to be at least four players that put on 10 pounds. That's a big deal. Have we heard anything about Zion, for example, who was already out of shape? I think that's one of the biggest questions um, in terms of guys being out of shape that we're all wondering because he wasn't in shape in the first place. Yeah. I mean, he was hampered by the knee. You know, he wasn't able right. to get, get the conditioning in. Um, I Now, I'm I'm assuming that he probably is fine. I'm just picturing uh, I'm, the guy yeah. I'm picturing. Dave is Joel Embiid, just completely out of shape, a little chunky. He's beat. He's been eating chips and not rehabbing. Like there's gonna be a couple of those guys right. in the no, past. But, it might have been Glenn, Big Baby Davis, for example. Now let's let's look at the the inverse of that, right? Uh, what happens if some of these guys said, you know what, man, I'm gonna. It's it, this is an early off season. Let me treat it like the offseason and get myself in the best shape I can. And maybe that happened. The thing, you know, Ben Simmons is going to be healthy. Maybe, maybe the Sixers are more dangerous now. And that goes down an entirely different line, in fact, Dave, is the fact that the unknowns with Philly and the coaching mm-hmm. situation there. I love Brett Brown. I think he's a great coach. But if they didn't advance far or if they don't, you got to wonder about his situation. Same is true with Mike D'Antoni in Houston. It's, does this give them an extra lifeline moving forward and all this? But to go back to what you're saying, I completely agree. It's it's uh, You're going to see so many different teams, including the Pacers benefit. Giannis, he was sidelined. LeBron's getting older. I bet this benefits him the most because as he gets older, he, you know, he wants that break. He's able to get that break. I trust that him of all people staying in tip top shape with his trainer, Mike, 
and he'll be prepared because he's trying to maximize his time in this league. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> I'm curious on a very minor level how this mm-hmm. will impact two-way guys because you may need extra bodies too. What if one guy comes down with it? And maybe th- I think this is probably something that's probably 49 and 50 on their mm-hmm. list to discuss down the road. But I don't know why. Maybe you, you make an exception this year and do allow those guys to continue on with the playoffs teams. A, to get paid like they should have. And secondly, I think this could be a year. I could I could see a guy, you know, because of this layoff, come out and, you know, be out of shape and be unable to play and they have to go to another body. That's another angle mm-hmm. to factor in in all this. My assumption is what they're going to do is they're going to allow teams to convert those two way guys uh, as like a temporary provision, uh, you know, for this sort of scenario. And we'll see expanded rosters. So 15 uh, will go up to 17 just in case. Whatever they do about a comeback with the, you know, the, the training camp period and the scrimmaging and all that at the forefront of those conversations are going to be conversations about avoiding injury because it would be awful yep. if someone were to suffer you know, a, a, a season-ending injury in August because it, it's going to kill their next season too. Right, and I do like the fact that the NBA has essentially said we'll give, I don't know, three weeks, four weeks, at least a couple weeks maybe in your city, then two weeks down in Orlando, and I'm glad – They're not trying to take a shortcut there and say, hey, two weeks is enough, right? You've been practicing. You've been working out on your own because you're right when it comes down to it. These guys, you're not going to be in that shape and you need to be back around your facility and with your guys. One other area I should have brought up a minute ago was how it relates to the Pacers. Nate McMillan, for example, is going into a contract year next year. Um, I'll be watching closely to see them finish the season in does this result or how do the players approach him and treat him as a result of this offseason, I should say, and what what that means for him moving forward. And maybe because of a shortened offseason coming up, they'll stay with the coach for one more year. Yeah, I, I've actually explored the idea that that the shutdown saved some jobs and like likely kept some people from saving their jobs. Uh, and if they had not come back, my expectation, not that Nate was going to lose his job, but that they would essentially throw the season out the window to a bigger degree than they already would. I mean, not having Victor has to factor into any sort of assessment of this year. Um, and, and mostly I was thinking of like Brett Brown in Philly. Uh, everyone sort of felt he needed a great playoff run to keep his job. And even then, I mean, if that's the case, you probably don't want to hang on to him. And so I, my thought was, wow, he lost a chance to save his job, as we've seen many coaches do over the years with an, you know, an unlikely playoff run or a fantastic March and April finish. And, and Brett Brown, now it seems, is going to get a chance to potentially save his job. With Nate, I just can't see how they'd be unhappy with the job he's done. I would agree with that instance. I mean, the fact that you had 48 wins the last couple of years, I remember that 2017-18 year I think Vegas pegged them to win something like 32 and 35. They easily eclipsed that to 48. This year, I think they would have won 50 if you would have finished out um, the final 17 games. I believe they did not play. But that's something to to watch, whether a star wants their own coach or or things like that um, when it comes down to it. But my belief, and this is just generally speaking here, is I think what we'll probably see 
is because of the the unusualness of this season and next year and a shortened off season and having probably like free agency in October, November. And I think teams will probably stick with what they have because I think the hiring process would be way more difficult bringing in assistant coaches. And currently they're having to rely on player development coaches. Nate, for example, can't go into the practice facility. They have to rely on these player development coaches, really these guys fresh out of college to put them through drills. And I, I think the last thing you'd want to do during the shortened window is make complete changes where you're overhauling unless you really believe that you could win a title. And that's probably more specifically speaking about Houston. Right. I, there, there's no, <laughs> there's no good solution. Nope. And that could be said about a lot of things right now. I don't think we have solutions to very much, but it is nice. I think to kind of see a light at the end of the tunnel perhaps. And I got to think that has been what's frustrating Dave to all these players is because it's like you tell them, hey, you're getting married on May 1st, let's say. I don't know why I'm using this example. But, you, you know, 5 o'clock on May 1st, and then you just keep pushing it back, but you don't know when. So you're staying ready, you're prepared, you're, but you're just sweating bullets, wondering if something else is changing. I think all of us would like some certainty at this point and a date to work towards when it comes down to it. So hopefully we have some kind of resolution or temporary date affixed to a possible return. I kind of hope they just keep stringing us along. No, I'm, I'm uh, kind of getting yeah. tired just, of all that just discussion. Keep, <laughs> no, keep dragging it out. Give me the Shams alerts. Give me Mark Stein. You know, give me, uh, give me like at least six more crazy scenarios that attempt to screw the Memphis Grizzlies out of a playoff berth. Uh, you know, just keep giving me this stuff for the next three or four months. That's what I need. <laughs> I love it. Hey, you're in the middle of a move. Good luck with that. Thanks, Thanks. for jumping on with us. And uh, probably next time we talk, maybe we'll have we'll be three steps forward. Uh, but who so. knows at this point? So. Yeah. Let's get this show on the road, but safely for everyone.